Good evening. Hi there. It's on again. <laughs> um, thank you for letting me share with you tonight. Um, if, for those of you who knows me, you know that I'm on. For those of you who don't, um, I, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always on. <laughs> and uh, I attend uh, 10.30 service now in the morning. So that's why I know quite a few of you, and also I've been here for quite a long time. So if you don't know me, hopefully I can get to know you soon. And um, let's, let's have a prayer before I start. Lord, thank you for letting us come together freely to be a group of Christian, the Lord's pray people, and to be really the citizen of heaven, that we can come and worship you. May you help us to learn from your word that our life will be transformed and we'll be able to stand firm in this world to fight the battle for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm having some problem with this slice um, controller. Don't know whether it's working or not. The light is not on. <laughs> oh, I'm on, but this is off, for sure. Anyway, maybe I'll get you to... Um... Yeah. Okay. Well, as you all know, this coming Wednesday is what? Anset day. And um, I know you find it strange. Um, a guy, oh, thank you. <laughs> Must be me who's off. Um, I, I guess you find it strange that I would share with you because um, obviously uh, I'm not that old to know all the history about NSETs. Uh, some of you may be. Probably none, especially the ladies. Or I, I live here in Australia long enough to know all the history. So if I have uh, say anything that may be wrong, please forgive me, okay? And you can come back and tell me afterward. Right, Warren? <laughs> Good. So obviously it's Anset Day um, coming on Wednesday. And um, so today I want to share with you about the Kokoda track campaign, or some people would call it Kokoda Trail campaign. I don't want to get into it, so I just uh, use track, if you don't mind. And uh, basically, I want to share with you, I, I, I personally hate battles, like wars, like Warren said earlier. I, I don't like bully, killing each other, fighting each other. I don't like martial art or anything like that myself. But I find history is always interesting. And we can always learn some lessons from history, especially the young one. Definitely, they haven't lived long enough. So hopefully, today we can look into the Kokoda uh, track and learn something from it and apply it. And we'll find that actually, maybe you can even use the Bible, what we learn, and see how we can learn from it. Okay? So if you look at this, uh, Kokoda um, track was actually, this year is the 76th anniversary. Last year was 75th, and was pretty a big thing. And actually, one of the oldest uh, PNG service person who died last year, and um, I think it's very emotional for a lot of people who just think back about the, the things that they had gone through. And you can see some of the pictures here. I'm just showing you some of the picture of the Kokoda track, and you can see how difficult it is that people need to track on really steep terrain to get into fighting against the Japanese army. And you can see uh, the soldier on the bottom right that they need to carry them down to, uh, to, to be rescued. And some of them, how they were carried down is by a lot of PNG uh, the native people who really contribute a lot to this campaign. 
Okay, just just give you a little quick summary of what it is. Okay, and um, Kokoda track campaigns happened around 1942 between July to around November. Actually, finished the Japanese left PNG in 1943 in January. Okay, it's uh, after the fall of Singapore in 1942 in February. And it's a land battle between the Japanese army against the Australian and the PNG uh, army. And all the Kokoda track over, was over uh, uh, Owen Stanley range over in PNG main islands. Just to give you a little bit of background, I've got a picture here. I don't know whether you can see clearly. You guys okay from the back? Can you see? Okay. Well, just to show you a little bit, a little bit of background. Obviously, this is during the Second World War already. This is 1942. Japan already um, did the Pearl Harbor attack. And they were, in, uh, were fighting uh, in a big battle, like the Battle of Coral Sea, the Battle of Midway. And they did a lot. Um, they lost a lot in, in, in the Navy. Okay? But in 1942, 1942, February 15, they went all the way to Singapore and conquered or took over the whole Singapore. Okay? And if you, if you are like old enough, you remember that the Japan, Jap Japanese didn't only get to Singapore, but they actually went all the way down Borneo, etc. And in 1942, right there in here, on the 19th of February, can you see that? Oh. On the 19th of February, they came all the way down south. Where did they attack? The Darwin. They bombed Darwin. And at that time, Australia already involved in the Second World War. A lot of troops been sent over to Middle East, like Egypt, etc. You heard a lot of big battles over in Egypt, uh, Alama, etc. Okay, so a lot of troops already involved, and of Australia being uh, involved with, a, um, came from a European background. Obviously, they, a lot of people will go and fight for the European, especially for the British. But at that time, the Prime Minister, John Curtin, he realized, hey, look, the Japanese already invaded Singapore and already bombed us in, in February. What will they do next? Obviously, he is worried. But because of the commitment over in Europe, the British and the American was really urging the Australians, saying, keep fighting over in Europe because they need you. But Curtin did something that is quite remarkable from today's, well, looking at the history. What he did is, he said, look, yes, we are part of the uh, allies. We need to fight for the European against Germany. But at the same time, they can survive without us. But what happened if the Japanese come down to the south and attack us? we may not be able to hold. So what he did, he moved some of the, some of the soldiers from the Middle East back to Australia, actually back to PNG, because they're thinking that maybe the Japanese will start invading through PNG to Australia. But first of all, you know Australians were training over in Middle East. They were training in where? What type of condition? Desert type of environment. They're wearing white kind of color or the gray color, like, like Steve Irwin type of style, you know. 
And when they're fighting in PNG, do you think they will be advantaged? They will be disadvantaged. And guess all the training they have to fight in PNG. Actually, they are pretty lousy. And even considering all the military arm uh, weapons they have. So what happened is the Japanese at that time, in 1942, thinking of coming down to uh, in PNG, but because the Navy already lost so many bat battleships during the Battle of Corsi and the Battle of Midwest, Midway, sorry, Battle of Midway, they can't attack with the Navy. They can't just come down. They're thinking if they can get to Port Moresby, they can start attacking Australia. Even if they can't take over Australia, but they can hindrance the alliance between the Australian and the Americans and they can cut the, cut the alliance off, and from then on, they will be successful. But they can't use naval battleship to come. So what they do, they think, uh, I saw some survey saying there may be a track along PNG. So they think maybe I attack through the land. So what they have planned is, you see the circle area over there? The star is Port Mosby, and there's a Kokoda track just north of Port Mosby, coming all the way, all the way to the northern shore. So the Japanese decided that they will make landfall on the top. You see the circle? I will in, increase that. And you see the circle area is actually on your right, the green area. Okay? So the Japanese, in, on uh, July 21st, they, will went up to the, they landed over in number one over there. That's the, um, landed in Guna and Buna. Okay? The Kokuda track... The, the difficult part is only about 90 kilometers. The whole trail is probably about 140 kilometers. So it doesn't take long to invade. And they were really good jungle warriors, the Japanese. And they have all the right equipment for the jungle fighting or guerrilla warfare. So when they first land, the Australian, of, of course, were surprised, but they were prepared. And uh, over here, I'm showing you the event, the timeline, showing up one, two, three, four, so you can follow, hopefully. I mean, obviously, I'm not expert in this area. I'm just, from what my reading and understanding, that's what happened. So the Japanese landed on the 21st of July, but they didn't actually start fighting until about 23rd. But within about a week, on July 29, they already captured Kokoda. See, Kokoda is number two. The numerical number two. So virtually half of the way, within seven days, about a week, a bit more, they already went all the way to Kokoda Trail, along to Kokoda. Okay? And on 16th of September, obviously the Australian and the PNG soldiers managed to hold them for a while. But on the 16th of September, the, uh, Japan, uh, the Australian withdraw to number three, which is the Imita Ridge which is all the way down to the bottom of the trail. And the Japanese went all the way just on the opposite side of the ridge over there. Okay? And they are within sight on September 26. That means, because it's a high ground, virtually, if they look far enough, they will see Port Mosby. That means the campaign is almost over. The game is finished. And Japan already started invading Port Moresby. But certainly, because of lack of supply, we'll talk a little bit about that 
in a minute. Because of lack of supply, because the track is so hard to transfer all the supply, food and ammunition, etc. By the time they get down to uh, almost to Port Mosby, they find that it's really hard to supply it. And also, also at the same time, on the other side of the world, in Pacific, there's other wars going on between American and the Japanese, and they were losing over there. And they decide, maybe I need to concentrate fighting over in other part of the world. So they start thinking about retreating. And on September 26, the Japanese soldier decide to withdraw, and the, the Australian and the PNG start chasing after them. And by the time of November, they get all the way back to uh, the northern shore, and eventually, the next year, January, they, uh, the Japanese left PNG. And that's the whole campaign is right there. So, why do I want to talk about Kokuda? Yeah, it's Anzac Day, but that's not the main reason why I want to talk about this. Because I think every battle, there's some important lesson that we can learn from it. What the people have done, how they impact their life, what is the background. Maybe we can learn from those lessons and how we can live our life today. We can use those. The first things I found is the Kokoda track is extremely difficult. And today, if you want to join in and uh, follow the history, the footstep, a lot of people do go to the, the track and try to walk through it. Usually take about a couple of weeks. But just to remind you, if you do want to join, that people die on the track. Apparently there's history, the guy, first day, four years and die from Australia. It's true. So you can tell how difficult the track is. It's not only 90 kilometers, it's up and down. The terrain is very difficult. And also, there's a, a monsoon rain, the rain will be falling, and the track will be filled up mud. And you need to walk the steep hill on the mud. And you can see how difficult it is by just looking at some of the pictures. Okay? Not only that, the disease will kill most of the people. There's malaria, dengue fever, and by looking at the record, they found that the Japanese lost and a lot of people died. And they look back, finding out, not, of course, they, a lot of them been killed by bullets, but a lot of them actually died because of disease. And the worst thing is what? Is hunger. Because they can't get the supply quick enough to the soldiers. And sometimes the ration, it's not only just all the ration, they need to cut the ration to half. Eventually, they have nothing to eat. And a lot of death were malnutrition and hunger. And just by listening and hearing that, you can see how difficult the track is. Okay? But our all that, the Australian and the PNG stand firm. There's one account saying by um, the interview of some of the soldiers, of the Japanese soldier, obviously interview of Australian, but one interview saying, uh, account saying from a senior Japanese officer, talk about after the war, uh, their thought about the factor that decide on the decision of, of retreating. Okay? He's saying that, yes, there's influence from other side, the outside because of Japan is not doing so well outside, but 
the strongest and 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 but the stronger reason he thinks the reason why is that he say they were ex, they were unexpectedly received stronger and than anticipated Australian resistance at Kokoda, saying that basically they didn't expect Australian doing well because initially within one week half of the battery is gone, and Australian were trained to fight in desert, now fighting in jungle. And the machine, the, the gun that they have, is basically either too heavy or no use. And they should lost. But they stand firm, even when it is so hard. Even when it is so hard. And when it's time is tough, they still stand firm. The second reason that I learned from this lesson is Obviously, Japanese lost because of supply. How do they get supply? Well, today, now they will think that, oh, why don't you just land a plane, give them all the food? Great, done the job. But the terrain is so difficult. Even flying a plane is very impossible. They can drop it, putting supply on drop zone. And apparently, it's so difficult to put at the right place that 90% of the supply were lost from the Australian. I'm not talking about Japanese, maybe even more for them. Okay? So what they do is, they fly the plane, drop it somewhere in the drop zone, and get the local, get the people to pick it up and deliver it to the soldier. But remember, this is all muddy track, and they didn't walk it. And what they do, the Japanese, same as Australian, they get the local native PNG people. Obviously, in Japan's case, a lot of them are by force. And because they're by force, a lot of them are unwilling. And they will do what? Run away. And that's why a lot of supply were lost. And the people were dying because of hunger. While on the other hand, in Australian side, don't forget, PNG at that time is a territory of Australian. I mean, I don't know whether they're in good term or not but they're fighting against a common enemy, so they will work together. But knowing a lot of colony, you realize how people feel. But somehow, the native were working together, fighting a common enemy. They all volunteer to become the supply carrier. So you see a lot of all these PNG people, the native indigenous PNG people, they are, some of them walking, and by some of the report we find, I read some of the uh, captain or, or the lieutenant report saying the, the key to this war, whether we can win, is whether we have enough supply. Because what they can see is when the PNG native carry all the supply up to the mountain to supply them, they are totally exhausted. They virtually drop dead on the floor because you know walk so difficult. And the bag that you carry may be only supplied for only a short time. But guess what they did afterward? They got up, when they recover, they took all the soldiers who were wounded down the track so that they can be saved. And you can see some of the people, how they used the, the, the stretcher. And, and don't forget, this is not a flat land. You are talking about tracks, steep hill walking down. And there's a lot of report talk about how the Australians see the native PNG people. They call them what? They call them 
Fussy Wussy Angels. Is that the right pronunciation? Oh, I don't know how to say it. That's Fussy Fussy Wussy Angel. I, I intentionally pronounce it wrong to let you correct, correct it. It's a Fussy Wussy Angels. Fussy Wussy Angel, sorry. So, so why do they call that? Why do they call that? Anybody knows? Sorry? The hair. The hair. Well, maybe. Well, I think, I think my, that's my core. The reason for that is when they are carrying all these wounded soldiers down the track, they would take the best care for them. They support them. If they need any water, they will be right there giving them the water. And this report talk about the stretcher they are carrying, the wound soldier. Because the terrain is so steep, they have people in front sleep on the two sides and their back, make sure they got the best land to sleep on, the flattest land to sleep on. They, have, they, have, they call them, it's like, almost like your mother looking after you, nursing you. And for a soldier, when they come, like, not really conscious, they look at them, it's like angel. It's like fussy. All these things that they're not sure, but there's an angel looking after you. Isn't that incredible? What a lesson for us to learn. We are Christian. We are what? We are called to be God's people together, to support each other. The lesson in this unrelated people PNG native, fighting the same battle together, helping the wounded, looking after them as if they're children. The third lesson I learned, oh, it's coming too fast. I know some of you may have reaction against this picture. It's uh, Paul Keating, for those who don't know, is the ex-Prime Minister of Australia. In 1992, he went to a PNG, went to Port Mosby to, to hold uh, an ANSAT service. Okay? And he did something that is outrageous and kissing the ground that a lot of people complained. I'm not talking about that. Okay? But one thing in his speech on the ANSAT day on uh, April 25th, 1992, there's one thing in his speech that I find it very interesting. He said, the Australian who served here in PNG, okay, those Australians, who were fighting the battle before in World War II over in Europe, got draft back, now fighting the war in PNG, okay? In, not in the defense of the old world, but the new world, their world. What's he talking about here? Do you know what they're talking about, what he's talking about? He's saying that those soldiers from Australia, they came, they were fighting for their homeland long time ago, the parents' homeland, the grandparents' homeland in England or Europe. But when they come to PNG, they realize now they're fighting a battle that is affecting them to their heart because they're fighting their home back in Australia. They're no longer... European fighting in Europe, they have turned themselves into Australian fighting for the homeland, Australia. The old world in England is not related to them. They are fighting in this new world 
their world, their country. It's no longer Europe, England, German, China, or even other. There's a lot of uh, indigenous fighting too. But they're fighting over, not because they're fighting for another country, the old world, but they're fighting for their new identity. They stand as Australian, fighting for their own country, even though it's over in Australia, while they were still in PNG. Isn't it amazing? Can we learn from that lesson? We Christian, we are citizens of the heaven. We are here temporary. Can we learn from this lesson? And that's why I think the lesson of Kokoda applies really well with what we are talking about today in Philippians chapter 3, 17 to chapter 4, verses 1. Let me read to you again. I have two slices of this. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. That God is the stomach. And the glory is in their shame. The mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly body so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brother and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the law in this way, dear friends. If you get a chance with your Bible, I'd like you to keep looking at Philippians chapter 3, 17 to chapter 4, 1, because I do refer to the passage quite often. Here, Paul mentioned in verse 17, he said, let me go back. In 17, uh, actually, in 18, he said, For I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many lives as enemy of the cross of Christ. Okay? Their destiny, destiny is destruction, the God is the stomach, and the glory is in the shame. The mind is set on earthly things. Paul talked about these enemies. They are real persons. They're not some imaginary war that he's fighting on. It's actually people who are attacking Christians. But the thing about these enemies are, they believe, they say, they claim that they are Christians themselves. But they misled other people. And it's very interesting because Paul called them what? Paul calls them enemies. And if you look at the last um, verse here, in chapter 4, verse 1, he said, My brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and grant, stand firm in the law. The language here, a lot of time, is more like in a war, a battle, isn't it? It's like when we are looking at Kokoda Trail, right, or track. Okay, it's a battle. Bat war is a common theme in the Bible. I mean, you all know, fight a good fight, you know. Paul telling 
in uh, Timothy, etc. Okay? And apart from war, the other things that Paul likes to use illustration is running. Even in earlier chapter, he say that I uh, press on towards the goal to win the prize. So he's talking about life, but use the illustration and war in this passage here. So why does he use that? Why does he use the battle? Because I think life is tough. I don't know whether you agree or not. Life is a battle. Whether you are studying, I remember when I was a student, you need to work hard. If you haven't feeling that you're working hard, that means you haven't been challenged yet. You need to work hard to find something that is amazing, difficult, so that you can explore the unknown universe where no man had gone before. If you haven't done that, if you haven't filled with the challenge, it's too easy, that means you may need to think about finding your focus. But apart from studying, getting a job, I know I find it hard to get a job, especially when I first migrated to Australia. It's impossible, virtually, to get a first job. Getting married, finding the white run, or even after you are married, is it easy? I raise my hand, I find it tough, difficult. If you find the best one, if you say, ah, it's easy, you're lucky, you've got perfect spouse. But I tell you what, there's no perfect spouse. Nobody's perfect. We are sinners. A sinner marrying another sinner doesn't make it right. Only get, get, get things worse. Even for the world, it's getting hard. Getting a job. Now the world is going into pushing you, doing harder and harder, more efficient. Your management say, yeah, today I get 100, next tomorrow I get 110. Is it hard? The world is driving people to the extreme. And pretty soon, you'll be replaced by robot anyway. It doesn't really matter. But it's hard, isn't it? If you want to think about, I'm not talking about just okay. We want to talk about doing the best of what we are. God wants us to do our best. God wants us to best marriage. God wants us to do the best in our career. God wants us the best life, the most fulfilling life, the abundant life. In order to do that, it's not easy. It's a battle. And why, man? We are struggling. We need to work hard in order to make it right. I've been away for a few weeks uh, last year uh, on holiday, well, doing some mission trip. I came back home. Guess what happened to my backyard? Knowing my sons, they're not very really interested in the backyard. My backyard become like a forest. Anybody have a problem with that? Oh, yeah, just that's okay. We can live with it. But no, God wants us to do our best. We want to do well in our environment. We want to survive. Life is a battle. There's nothing easy. And even worse, in Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authority, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Yes, there's the dark side in this world. And it's hard. If you want to do the best to, to be a, a good citizen, to be a good husband, to be a good father, it's not easy. But the biggest battle is where? 
Yes, you can go and fight the war against some other enemy, but the biggest battle is inside us. Whoa, it's going too fast. The biggest battle is inside us. In Romans 7, 22 to 23, we say, For in my inner being, I delighted in God's law, but I see another law at work, at work in me, waging war against the law of my minds and making me a prisoner of the laws of sins at work within me. And in today's society, especially the young one, internet is so easy. It's so easy, isn't it? You can do so many wrong things with it. The battles inside us. But how do we win? How do we play? Well, there's a, you all heard the story about the American Indian uh, chief teaching his grandson, teaching his grandson about life, about how he's saying that he's talking about struggle in life. His illustration is saying, it's like there's two wolves inside me. One of them is evil. The other one is good. The one that's evil, it is anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, regret, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, etc. The other one is good. That is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, etc. And they are fighting against each other all the time. And the grandson asked the grandfather, say, so what's the ending? Who wins? You all know the answer, right? The grandfather, the chief said, whatever, whoever you feed the most, if you feed the good one more, he will win. If not, the other one will win. And the same applies to us, that we need to stand firm and fight against all this temptation, all this evil that is in us. Example I can give you in this world, just some example that I learned here and there from a lot of different places. How about love? Is it easy to, to, be, to be loving? Or is it easy to be selfish? Is it easy? Being selfish is the biggest cause of a lot of fight. I want the things my way. Well, sounds like a song. But James 4, 1 to 2 said, What causes fight and quarrel among you? Don't they come from your desire that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. We need to learn how to fight against selfishness. Because it applies in everything. We need to learn to what? Love. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 earlier, say, Do nothing out of selfish ambitions or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I mean, the best example a lot of time is marriage. When we two people come together, we love each other. But when difficult things happen, our selfish side will win. And guess what? In Australia, in the world, divorce rate is 
pretty sad, isn't it? A lot of time we because of our we want what we what we demand. So we go into a marriage expecting something instead of looking other people, the other person first. Well, even recently I'm looking at um watch some of the SBS insights. I don't know whether some of you watch and one of the programs talk about a hurt from people. Um and um there was one lady sharing that because She's been cheated on by partners, friends, boyfriends, etc. She will not trust anybody anymore. Instead of love, she's scared. She'll be hiding. Our selfish side affecting this world. And we need to fight against this. We need to learn to be humble so that we can look at other people's need before us. Genuine love to others without expectation of return. God wants us to have a good marriage, whatever we do. Yes. And God wants us to stand firm against it. Uh, there's a quote that I heard before sometime talk about we need to learn to be uh, humble. He's saying that a lot of time we'd be selfish because we're looking at, on our own need first. But he's saying that instead we need to think about humility. But it's humility. A lot of time we think about ah,、oh, we put things ourselves down. Is that right? Well, the quote saying that no. You are valuable. What God wants is the humility. It's not putting yourself down. What he's saying is humility is not thinking less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. Focusing on the other person, we need to stand firm in this world while the world is deteriorating. That we need to show love to others, genuine love, that is without expectation of return. Luckily for me, when I was in uni time, I experienced that. A friend of mine come and share with me. I was at that time in a foreign country studying in uni. Obviously, being in a foreign place, what do you do? Usually, worry about whoever talks to you. Even today, when you hear the phone call, somebody talks to you in saying, asking you something, you worry. Ah,、oh, what? What do you want? You're expecting something bad happen, right? But this person who became my friend, who shared with me and showed his love to me, that I didn't expect, and he's one of the reason. He's the the reason, the reason why I became a Christian. That somebody show love to me, that I can turn from mistrust to trust. Another things, the example is, well, forgiveness and hatred. So hard to forgive, isn't it? It's easy to hate. I used to work in a chapel. Some of you may know, and sometimes kids fight all the time, common things, and some may bully others. And you tell one kid to、uh, say sorry, and tell the other to forgive. You think it's easy to get kids to say? It's impossible. Human nature, isn't it? Yeah, I get some kids to say sorry. What? Do, how do they say it? Instead of looking at the other person, say, "I'm sorry." The other thing, just ask them even forgive. Yeah, I forgive you. It's impossible to get them. But if you hate other people, 
eventually, who suffer most? You become bitter, and you are the one caring about in the bitterness in you. And in Hebrew, 12, 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the glory of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. In Ephesians, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Ask forgiveness is very difficult, but it can make dramatic change. I remember I used to serve in a university Christian fellowship, and we used to have community work together. And one time, I always say something wrong, bad habit, say something bad to another person, and they turn around fearing that I was against her. And since that time, she will be like, try to avoid me, not talking to me. I mean, obviously, I sense that, but eventually somebody confronts me and telling me that, oh, the other community member is not happy. And I need to learn to humble myself to go and talk to her. And I did. I went to talk to her and say, I'm sorry if I did something really genuinely, that if I did something wrong against you, please forgive me. And the whole thing turned around. She became one of my best friends. See, by action, we do something mixing change that instead of turning an enemy, turning somebody to be an enemy, we turn him to be your friend. That's what God calls us to do. And other things, that one of the things that I'd like to share with you that is very difficult to do is to do something easy instead of doing something good. Something is easy. You just do it. Instead of, you should be doing something good. I'll give you an example. I mean, this is, may not be a little bit stretched. One time I went to a, a restaurant in Sunnybank, and I was waiting to be uh, seated, and they have some chairs and table on the outside, and they have a little cupboard uh, for putting the plates and etc. And uh, a waiter just came out with all the supply, all the cups and, cups and bowls and etc., trying to put it onto the uh, cupboard. Right? And he went past me, and while he was putting, uh, I was still waiting for the, 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 to be seated. Uh, while he was putting all these things, one of the cups fell down from his hand. Make a lot of noise, rolling around. Guess what he did? What would you do? He just picked it up and stacked it together with the other cups. It's easy, isn't it? And so happened, I was waiting for, to be seated. I turned around and saw the cup lying down there. He turned around because he, after putting the thing back, turned around, saw me sawing him. Saw me seeing him, sorry. Saw me seeing him. And he sort of jumped up and went back, get a cup, and take it back to the kitchen. <laughs> well, at least he did something good, some, the right things. But it's a lot of time we, we choose to do something that is easy instead of doing the right things, isn't it? I mean, today is a lot of time, I've seen a lot of parents, especially, sorry to say, a lot of Asian parents, uh, when you go to dinner with them in restaurant, they will give the kids something. What's that thing? A phone, iPad. So do what? Stop the kid from screaming around. It's easy, the best thing to stop the kid. But instead, the right thing to do is what? Spend time talking to the kids, finding out what they do and have fun with them, have games with them. That's the right thing so that you can help them to learn something good. But instead, what we do, we do something easy 
instead of something hard. Something that is immediate, quick benefit over something that is a long-term gain. And the Bible is teaching us that invest on something that is future. Delay gratification. Common term? But instead, today's society is teaching us, if it's easy, do it now. Forget about later. Sorry to say, I think Ipswich Council is doing something like that before. <laughs> Just garbage. But you say, us, how can we do it? How can we stand firm instead of doing wrong, be good? But what the Bible is teaching us is saying that focus in heaven. Focusing that you are citizen of heaven. Well, let me explain to you. In Philippians, this talk a little bit, sorry, Philippians talk about the black one in Philippians. Philippians is within Greece, right? You all understand that? In Greece, a, a, a big capital. But Philipp, Philippi, sorry, Philippi is an old ancient capital in Greece. Okay? But there's something important happened in Philippi. In 42 BC, during the Roman time, okay? Antonio, you know, Antonio and Cleopatra, you know that. And the other guys are Octavian, Octavian, right? They fought a battle in Philippi against the assassins of Julius Caesar and took the power of Rome, okay? So Philippi becomes somewhere that is important. And after, in, in about another 10 years later, in about 31 BC, Octavian, he dis, uh, destroyed Antonio, Antonio and Cleopatra and became the emperor of Rome. And he called himself Augustus. You heard of Augustus, right? And because of what the soldier had done for him, he said, I rebuilt Philippi and turned them into a Roman city. And the people who lived there are now Roman citizens, even though they are in Greece, surrounded by Greek everywhere, speaking Greek. But those people in Philippi are Roman citizens, and they have all the privilege of Rome. They don't need to pay tax, etc. all the good things. So the people in Philippi, they will understand this, that when you talk about citizenship, they will say, I'm the citizen of Rome, even though they are in Greece. And same applies to us. We need to stand firm because we are not citizens of this world. This world, we talk about food, talk about achievement in this world. But we are talking about long term, in the future, that, that applies to now, even though we live on earth. But we are citizens of heaven. We are something like the Australians who are fighting a Kokoda. They are not fighting for the old world. They are fighting for the new world that they really truly belong to. Even though we are on this earth, we need to focus ourselves on the heavenly things. Delay gratification. Oh, but don't worry, we got help. In Philippians, again, chapter 3, 17, and also verses 
20 to 41. I won't read that again. We have help. Why? The number one thing we have help is because we are citizens of heaven. We already been saved. We are, God has already sent Jesus Christ to die for us. In Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. This life is hard, but there's one thing that's free. It's our salvation from God. And because of what Jesus Christ did, he came down on earth, demonstrate how to love others. He humbled himself, even though he's God, to this earth and be like a servant, Philippians chapter 2. And he served us and even willing to die for us. Will you be able to follow his example to learn to stand firm so you can show love to this world so that you can will not be selfish so that you will do the right things instead of doing the easy things. Another thing that we get help is support from God's people. Philippians 3.17, join together in following my example, brother and sister, and just as you have as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. We need to follow the same example as those PNG, PNG native, just in the Kokoda trial that we need to learn to support one another. As Christians, we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of the heaven. And together, we need to work together just like those laborers who are willing to help others, not being selfish for the sake of the heaven. Next thing I want to quickly talk about is faith. Well, obviously in passage, Philippians talk about follow us, have faith in us, just as we have followed Jesus Christ, just as we have faith in Christ. And because faith, from what we understand, can move mountains. More than that, what faith can do. Well, in Ephesians chapter 6, 16, he said, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. He can be a protection for us. From what? From the negative things in this world. People may say to you, don't this, don't bother doing this. It's not worthwhile. You've got better things to do. Why give up your life for something so small? Why do the right things? Why there's easy thing to do? You can't do it. You're not good enough. Those are things that we need to fight against and you need faith to fight those things. But where can you get the faith? Well, in Romans 10, 17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Where do we get faith from? By hearing the message and reading the word of Christ. What is your priority? Do the easy things? Oh, too busy. Or read your Bible. Have good fellowship with God so that you can have faith that can stop all the negative things in your head or from other people. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. 
It judges the thought and attitude of the heart. Finally, obviously, the help that we get, as he said in Philippians chapter 3, say the power, the power from God's Spirit, in 1 John 4, 4, he said, Dear children, are from, your, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is quicker than the one who is in this world. We can have help. We can stand firm. If we look towards heaven and have faith in God, knowing that you are a citizen of heaven, and if you are not, better be soon because you don't know when the world is going to finish. Because if you're Australian, you go to overseas, anything problem with you, Australia will look after you. But if you are not Australian, go overseas and cause trouble, Australia will not look after, to, look after you. And same apply. Are you citizen of heaven? Finally, I want to encourage you from what Kokoda track is, that every one of us are important and we can impact the world. Just, I mean, when we look at the story of Kokoda Trail, or track, we thought, oh, a lot of time we thought the battle are won by the generals, right? Whoever strategically planned everything will be the one. But when you look at reading all this history, you find those generals are incompetent. They make all the mistakes, just like everyone does. It is the little people, the soldiers, the native PNG persons who fight the battle and eventually stand firm and won. Every one of us are as important as anybody else, no matter what ranking, what, how important they are in this world. We are all important. If you guys, well, sorry to tell you another story, if you don't mind. You want to hear another story? No? Time's up? No? Okay. Well, I won't tell you another story then. Well, I want to encourage you to think about it. That pick your battle because we can't fight every battle. We need to know what we're fighting for and do well. God doesn't want you to fail. Maybe this year, the rest of 2018, you need to find a battle that you want, do well. As a student, study well. Glorify God so that you can do well representing God in, in your university. Maybe you want to be a good husband, improve your marriage. Maybe you want to show love to your neighbors. Join a fellowship. Be a leader in a fellowship. Join a Bible study so that you have faith in God by knowing His Word. What do you say? Pick one of those. Decide on yourself. Maybe it's suitable for you that you can fight this battle. God calls us little people like us, or like me, okay, to fight and to stand firm in this world, not only to get the benefit of heaven, but also to save the lost soul of this world too. You are all important. How you live your life depends on how you choose your battle and whether you can feed the one that is good. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can learn from Kokoda Trail all this lesson that we can apply to ourselves, help us in our life so we can spend more time with your word, spend more time with God's people, support one another, 
spend more time trusting in you and ourselves to be the true light and salt in this world. That to prove to this world that marriage works, that there are people who love others, that we do not need to be selfish and we can have overcome hatred, that we are people who are living on this world but actually behaving like as if we live in heaven. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.